everyone. Welcome back to That on Paper podcast. I'm Grace Atwood. And I'm Becca Freeman. And today's episode is one of our favorites today. I know we say this every time, but the conversation is just so good. Like we finished recording with with Claire and Erica from Of a Kind. And I was literally like, can we publish this now? I'm obsessed. So it's been hard to wait a week. I've been obsessed with them for so long. I'm so excited that we finally had them on the podcast and the conversation did not disappoint. Yeah, I've always admired Of a Kind and like I've shopped it. Well, it's gone now, but I shopped it many a time when it was around. But I didn't know much about them as people. And I'm obsessed with them now. And now now you're on the train. Yes. So wait, before we get into the episode, this episode is brought to you by Knight, the makers of our all-time favorite pillow. So we're both obsessed, and I can't imagine sleeping without mine. We'll tell you more about it later in the episode, but if you'd like to try the Knight pillow, you can take 20% off with code BOP20 at discoverknight.com. So Grace, what is your high this week? My high is that I'm just feeling very energized, very happy. Um, Life is pretty good. I've been working really hard to set like better boundaries with work and life and just stuff in general. And I feel like very balanced, which I love. Good. Um, I, since we're recording this on a Friday, I have two things. Today I approved all, all of the designs for my Amazon collection and the dresses look so good. I'm so excited. I saw them. I'm so excited, but I'm nervous because you have to make cuts and I want my favorite things to make it. I know. So the next step is that they're going to produce samples and then I have to like we have to cut it down to like 10 pieces and ah. I want it to be like 30 pieces. Ah. And then the other thing is that I can say now um, is I went to Charleston this past weekend um, to surprise my nephew, he, he turned four. So my sister, who lives in Minneapolis, um, or rather in Minnesota, in Northfield, was in Charleston with her whole family, her husband and her two boys, um, for my nephew Jack's fourth birthday. So I flew down and will hopefully have successfully surprised them at the birthday party on Monday. Wait, tell them about your last high. Oh, and my last high? I have so many highs. Oh, my God, you guys. Is Tyrion. So... <laughs> It's kind of a low, too. I had this little box that holds Q-tips in my bathroom, and it fell. And I wasn't aware that it had fallen, so there was Q-tips everywhere. Q-tips are Tyrion's favorite toy. So he has been going to the bathroom. I since, like, fixed the box and moved things around. He's since figured out where they are, and he, like, crawls up to the counter to get them out of the box that they're in. But it's adorable. So what I'll do is, like, I had to, like, hide all Q-tips, but they're under the sink now. But I... You give him one, and it is the funniest thing you've ever seen. She just gave him one. He went nuts. Like, he, like, flips out. He carries it around in his mouth. He, like, putters it. But then I have this crack, like, where the the um, step in my apartment meets the floor, and he keeps pushing them into the step, into the crack. And I'm like, Tyrion, like, I can only give you so many of these. I do not think of Tyrion as a very energetic cat, and I have never seen him more excited about anything. He is energetic, but he gets embarrassed and shy in front of people that aren't me, and he doesn't like to make an ass out of himself. Mm. It's kind of like me dancing. Like, I'll dance in my apartment if no one's around, but, like, I got to be pretty drunk to dance otherwise. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Okay. So the first thing is that I signed a new client, so nobody has to listen to me bellyache about work and being stressed about it. Can you tell us who it is? Uh, I don't, it's like a big company, so I don't know how they feel about that okay, yet. I got to okay. feel it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm very excited about it's the project. It's a cool project. company. I'm, yeah, so now I'm set through April. And so I don't have to worry about it. That's great. 
feel really good. Um, so that's my big one. The second thing is that I'm, I feel like everyone is doing dry January. I feel like I'm having a wet January. Oh, my January has been like soaking wet. I have had so many social plans, which is so fun because I feel like in January you're usually just at home and it's Mm -hmm. cold out and it's kind of sad, but I've just had so many fun plans. Yeah. I had two parties last weekend, went to... Where were we on Monday? Oh, we went to a movie premiere on Monday night. Mm-hmm. On Wednesday, you had an event, and then I went out with Ashley Spivey for drinks. Like, oh, yeah, I'm I want to hear about that. It's been I'm having a fun time. Yeah, it's been a very last week was very. That's my low. It's not a low, a real low, but I'm just like shattered. Like my party was a lot of work to put together. Then my mom was in town for the weekend. Then we had the movie premiere. Then I had the Whitney art party on Tuesday. Then Wednesday I hosted this event with Shambord. Last night, you guys, I literally put on my grossest sweats like do you got do you have like a pair of like gross sweats like I have one that's at the bottom of my drawer that like is just for when I want to feel like really comfy so I do but I think they're kind of on the verge of needing to get thrown out because they the waistband is so stretched out and I lost the string mine has a string they don't really they don't really stay up yeah I've got that and then I have a shirt from Bentley from my sophomore year so the shirt is from 19 no it's from 2000 so it's a 20 year old t-shirt it's well aged yeah it has holes in the armpits but whenever i like need to be really like comforted i put on my bad sweats and my bentley t-shirt and like hide under a blanket oh i used to have this favorite t-shirt that for years it was i I probably had it since i was like an early teenager it was my favorite t-shirt and I used to wear it all the time to bed and like it was a big comfy t-shirt yeah but then it got too worn and then it had a safety pin that was holding the neck together but then it got too worn out and I still have it but it's it's just too far gone and it makes me sad to hear about other people's yeah comfort t-shirts because mine has passed on mine's mine might might need to become a a um tank top or I'll just like have my mom sew it next time I'm home. Yeah. But it's the best. So, it's not a real low, but I just was like I am worn out. And I have no complaints cuz everything we did was super fun, but like I like to have like two maybe big plans like one or two nights a week, like casual plans like three nights a week and then me time the rest of that. Well, you don't have plans tonight, right? No, I don't. And I had no plans last night. Oh, good. I'm after we're done, I have one more call. It's it's Friday night. And then I'm going to go watch the Taylor Swift documentary. Ooh. And maybe order sushi. I'm going to make, I'm going to chip away at my book. Mm. I'll, we'll talk about what we're reading at the end. But okay. yeah. Um. So wait, should we have a, wait, what's your low? <laughs> I was like, should we do a desperation minute? What's your low? Um. It's not really a low, but something I'm trying to work on is I need to get more steps. I do too. I'm having a problem. So in, the iPhone, it now tells you year over year. Oh, no. And I'm not doing great. Yeah. So I've realized that since I moved to Brooklyn, I'm just taking less steps because I think when I lived in Manhattan, I would walk to meetings very frequently, even yeah. if it was like half an hour walk. So yeah. I lived like t- pretty far downtown, like in the East Village, Nolita area. But um. I would walk if I had something in Flatiron, and now, obviously, it doesn't make practical sense to walk from Brooklyn to Manhattan Yeah, on the reg. So I had to get a subway pass. when I like never took the subway when I lived in the city. I just walked everywhere. Yeah. And I 
my steps went down dramatically when I moved to Brooklyn. Yeah, my steps are not doing great. And I think also because it's cold out and I'm working from home, usually in when it's nice out, I'll make excuses to go run errands or to like go take a walk outside. But now it's cold, so I don't want to. It's been so cold. I didn't leave the house on Tuesday except to go to that event, which wasn't till I don't think we left the house till 8. Well, my step count such year over year is not great, and my phone is making me feel really guilty about it. So I'm trying to take proactive measures to go out and walk. Today, I hadn't left the house before I came here, and so I went to – there's a UPS access point across the street from our apartment, and instead of going there, I walked to the far UPS to oh, drop smart. off my Rent the Runway. Yeah. I'll say one thing like I do to get more steps is I'll um, bundle up and go and just listen to a podcast and like yeah. go for like a 45-minute walk. Or um, like I'll make the excuse of like going to – but I'm trying to cook more is going to Sweet Green because that's like kind of far. You know one thing that Megan Donovan was talking about on her Instagram story the other day, what? which I think I just need to make a habit, is she gave a tip where she was like, if you have time, get off a subway stop early wherever you're going and like walk – the distance. Oh, that's smart. Uh-huh. Maybe for us, we should go one step further into Brooklyn and then walk back. No, because that's a crappy walk, I think. Yeah, you're right. But I think that if I'm going into the city, I could leave early and take the subway to Union Square or whatever and then walk to Bryant Park or, you know. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. Get some steps in. We'll see. Yeah. Guys, if you want to make us really happy, we're both having a great week, but you you can make it even better by leaving us a review or... I mean, I love the reviews, but what I love even more is when you put us on your Instagram story. Oh, same. It makes me, it makes us both so happy. It's the best way to spread the word about a podcast you like. So don't just put us up there. Put all of your other favorite podcasts on your Instagram story. It's the best way to spread the word. We would love that. Yeah. Now to the interview. So today we have Erica Cerullo and Claire Mazer, who founded the beloved e-commerce site Of A Kind in 2010. They launched a national partnership with Target in 2014, and they sold the company to Bed Bath & Beyond in 2015. They continued to grow it while also helping Bed Bath & Beyond strategize around content, millennial marketing, and product differentiation until 2019. And last year, they also released their first book, Work Wife, The Power of Female Friendship to Drive Successful Businesses, which has been optioned for film and television, which I didn't know. That's so exciting. exciting. (laughs) And they have grown a diehard following for their popular lifestyle newsletter and companion podcast, A Thing or Two. Welcome, We're so excited to be here. Thank you for having us. We're so excited. We're so happy to have you here. This is really, really fun. Um, we really both admire everything you guys have built. Your book, we have your book is sitting over there. Oh, I need you to sign it before you oh leave. Oh my gosh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. You guys are work wives. Yeah. We are work wives. Yeah. So it's fun to have another set of work wives yes. join us on the podcast. But how did you guys meet? We're so we're always so curious to hear people's origin story. So we met in 2002. Um, we were undergrads at the University of Chicago, and we like to say that a mutual friend of me set us up. So <laughs> his, he, we also like to point out now that he was on the Mueller team because that makes him even more notable. Yeah, he, it just <laughs> makes him a really enigmatic character. Just doing a lot of important work, introducing the two of us, part, you know, leading the Mueller investigation. Leading um, might be might be pushing. We're it, gonna but. go with it. We're gonna go with it. Um, so he he. he approached me um, and said, listen, I know that you're dating a basketball player and I have this friend Erica and she also dated a basketball player her freshman year. So I think you guys should meet. 
And it's worth noting that University of Chicago is a D3 school with a totally unnotable basketball team. But we both, I think, were just desperate enough for friends that we agreed to this friend date. So we met in the dining hall for lunch. I specifically remember the, the the picture that stands out in my head is standing at the cash register with our trays and being like, okay, we're going to do this. We're doing this. <laughs> and we became fast friends from there. Um, University of Chicago was not a very social campus. Um, and we were both very social people. And we liked going out and exploring the city, which was also a little uncommon for University of Chicago students. And we both moved to New York after graduation. Um, I moved to New York to work in magazine editorial and Clara to work uh, to get her master's in arts administration and then to work in the art world. And we would have weekly dinner dates with another friend of ours. And we're always just like very closely in touch and talking about all kinds of things. Um, and especially about work and career things that I think we maybe weren't talking about as much with other friends at that point. Definitely. We were very keyed into each other's work lives, like knew the names of all the coworkers, under, like knew what the bosses ate for lunch. Knew the of office it. dynamics and yeah. everything that was happening here and there. Um, yeah. yeah, in a way that felt really normal at the time. But yeah, in retrospect, it's unique for a friendship for sure. And then also a lot of just tracking what was happening on the internet between Tumblr and Gawker and Radar and sort of following a lot of up and coming young writers and trading a lot of that sort of stuff, articles and gossip and whatnot. Was this in the Gmail days or the Gchat days? Oh, oh for sure. We yes. were on Gchat all day long. I was just talking to somebody like, I don't know when exactly that petered out, mm -hmm. but um, I feel like my relationships that I carried on at work over Gchat were so robust oh, yes. and I don't know where that went. We you know, Jezebel would post a new article and then we would just be bit bopping back and forth. All day. Yes. Uh, all day. All yeah. day. Yeah, that was like all of 2007, I think. Completely. I mean, I think for us, it was like we were Gchat and then we transitioned to Slack. And then now that iMessage is on most computers, it's a lot of it's a lot of that. Yeah. 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 Um, so then in 2010, Claire was of uh, no in 2000. Yeah. 2010. Yeah, 2010 January 2010. Um, Claire was applying for a job at a company called 20 by 200 that sells limited edition art prints. And she emailed me her cover letter. Um, it was, she was desperate for this job. And we went back and forth on her cover letter and um, what worked about it and what was so compelling about 20 by 200. And then that night when I got off the train, I remember it was like a miserably cold January night, the kind we don't see anymore because of climate change. Um, <laughs> Um, I had an email waiting from her that said, read this instead of my cover letter. And it was basically like, why doesn't something like this business model exist for fashion, which was the way that we were all at that age in our 20s consuming art or, you know, sort of um, artistic work. And that was of a kind. And that, that was, was of a kind. kind. Yeah. And the thing we built is was till till its dying day very similar to what we laid out in that first email exchange that was like 20 back and forth emails over the course of a couple of hours that night I mean it was I really remember just vibrating with excitement Erica said she got the email when she got off the train I remember getting off the train and feeling like I had to get home so quickly to write this email because I I you know you get so excited about something like that and we decided at, at the end of that night to meet at a coffee shop halfway between our two offices, which at the time meant the now closed Juan Valdez Coffee in Times Square. <laughs> um, Just an iconic institution. <laughs> 
and and just talked about it from there. But we came up with this idea that was essentially collaborating with young fashion designers to create limited edition pieces that we would release on the site in conjunction with a series of stories about the designers. So we were taking a lot of cues from the art world, but we were also taking a lot of cues from um, the appointment style shopping that had become a big thing at that moment because of guilt group mm-hmm. and relying very heavily on Erica's insights and expertise into what the power that storytelling had to move products because it details she had written about like young furniture makers and heard directly from them that that had resulted in sales yet at the same time was experiencing the tension of uh, magazines crumbling um, and and their business model no longer working and so that was the start of, of a kind and that was what we did it of a kind, although we eventually expanded beyond just fashion to include home and beauty and expanded and, and all sorts of lifestyle goods, really, and expanded beyond just limited edition to carry the regular collections of designers as well. And so, then we also grew out our editorial content yeah. at the same time. So we ran that business for 10 years and we just stopped two months ago, which is crazy. Wait, wow. so how much time was there between this email chain yes. and you quitting your jobs and then also between of a kind actually going live. So we, the email chain was January, 2010. We quit our jobs in August. um, Okay. So pretty quickly. Pretty quick. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we launched in November. Oh my God. So it was all the same calendar year. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. And how old were you when of a kind was founded? 26 and 27. Okay. Yeah. So I'm really curious how you developed your, your work wife style of how did you split up the business between who did what? So it felt really sort of obvious in the early days from a big picture perspective that I would take on the sort of retail and artist management and visual side of things. And Erica would do editorial and marketing and PR. It just uh, felt it was consistent with our skill sets and our backgrounds and uh, up to that point. And then it also felt really natural to just split up the dirty work. So (laughs) I took on lawyers and she took on accountants. And then like from there, it was just the same of just like, oh, here's this thing that falls into neither of our wheelhouses and neither of us want to do it. But like, you'll take one and I'll take the other. And um, at some point, even though we we divvied that all up, there are a million ways in which you start to feel like you're stepping on someone's toes and vice versa. And so there was a really critical point in – the early days pre-launch, I remember exactly where we were sitting in General Assembly, which was our office at the time. Yeah. Um, we put together a Google spreadsheet and put our names at the top of two rows and then just wrote down everything that had to get done in the business. Um, sorry, I always screw up columns and rows. We put our names at the top of two <laughs> You do columns. and I watched columns. your face while you while were processing. I, you could see the wheels turn. Like, yeah. it's rows. It's definitely rows. I got this. No, it was the columns. Um, I mix those up too a lot. It feels related to my math and abilities, which is why Erica was in charge of accountants. Um, so we put our names at the top of the two columns columns and we put everything that needed to get done in the business in on the rows and then would just put an X under who was responsible for what and that would evolved a lot throughout the years and then we'd add our employees names to that spreadsheet and having this document that we could always refer back to is really important because even though we owned our own business I think we constantly would come back to this insecurity that we like weren't in charge or didn't own something or weren't executing our vision um, because there has to be so much collaboration and concession in a partnership. And another thing we did, we from the earliest days would CC each other on pretty much every email. Um, but we ca- we set up this 
pretty pretty firm policy basically that if you started the chain and if it was something that um you know was you owned um then you owned the chain and the other person could chime in and say like hey thanks excited to work on this or whatever but th- that person wasn't chiming in with decisions mm-hmm. that person would run decisions through you um so you know if it was a marketing campaign or something i would be the one responding to the emails i would be the one setting the meetings um, Claire could say, hey, have we thought about this or can we meet about it? But ultimately, I had the l- sort of last say. Um, something that I'm really curious about is do you guys d- agree on everything or do you ever disagree on matters of taste? And if so, how do you resolve it? How do you decide? How would you decide like who is going to make it on the site and which products and mm-hmm. we all that? We disagree on things all the time. Um, and I think with with matters of taste, I think it got a little bit easier once the business got a little further along when we started to think about our customer um, and it became, okay, but what is right for our customer? And it wasn't about what you liked. It wasn't about what I liked or what Claire liked. It was about what was right for our customer. Yeah. And ultimately, Claire was buying for the site. She was overseeing anything visual on the site. So it came down to her. If there was something that I felt like was wrong in like a – what's the right way of putting it? Like – uh. A brand. Yeah, and like a brand. Yeah, if something that felt off-brand, I would certainly say something. But, you know, just because I wasn't going to wear a pair of earrings didn't mean they weren't right for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's smart, putting yourselves in the customer's shoes. Yeah, and I think ultimately because, and this remains the case in our relationship, like Erica, you know, is sort of the last word in editorial and I'm the last word in visual. If it ever comes to that point where you just can't agree, we're deferring to the other one um, about, you know, what what her wheelhouse is, although it it rarely gets to that, I think, and mm-hmm. and I think our disagreements are usually when it is about taste, they're not so strong. It's not um, it's not like a sort of live or die situation. I think the disagreements that are harder are about like a direction to take, and those are harder in general because there's no right answer. A lot of the time, you're just guessing and saying like, is this the right? Is this going to be the best option for us? Well, in a lot of cases, those things are wrapped up in emotions and anxieties, mm-hmm. you know, um, and sometimes operating out of a place of, you know, fear or a concern about what the future looks like and and that makes it hard um to make those some of those decisions or to like put your foot down and be like I don't want to do that. I'm so impressed with you both that you started this when you were 26 and you kind of built your business as you built yourself as professionals. Was that all very organic or was that like were you picking things up from books about how to work together or to run a business or were you picking it up from like other entrepreneurs? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of it was in the early days was picking it up from other entrepreneurs. I think we relied a lot on talking to other people and understanding how they did it. I think I will give a lot of credit to Erica, who I think like came out of the womb with a sense of professionalism Um, (laughs) and like talk to anyone who's ever worked with her, whether it's on an extracurricular or at an office, they will say the same thing. Um, So I think that sort of set the tone for our professional standards. And then we both, I think, struggled a lot with being managers and what that meant. And I think struggled with it more in part because we worked so well together that there was this sense of, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on here. There, yeah, was, yeah, a sense, absolutely. Yeah, we, there was a sense of, well, Erica gets it. Why the fuck don't all of our employees get it, right? Like mm-hmm. we speak each other's language. What, what are they What's missing? What's wrong with them? Um, and there was a really critical turning point in 
um, in our sort of professional development where we ended up starting to see a management coach who we always say is like one third marriage counselor for our relationship, one third executive coach and one third therapist. And (laughs) it really, I think, made us such better managers and leaders. It really strengthened our relationship. And it has also we can we still see him and it has really helped us navigate this chapter of, of our careers. He, it, one of the things I think we've learned to appreciate um, beyond our management coach and just his skill set is having that time set aside every week to have these conversations and to be able to put a pin in so many decisions mm-hmm. to say, you know what, we will talk that out with Ben. Um, and I think that was especially helpful when managing employees because so many things surface that you feel like, oh, shit, this this is a huge thing. It has to be dealt with today. Most things don't. Um, and, um, the lesson in that over the last four years has been really important to us. Um, the other thing I was going to say is I think I had really good, a couple of really good bosses, um, who taught me what it was like to, to run a good department or to run Mm -hmm. a good team. Mm -hmm. Um, and that shaped a lot of, you know, professional skills from like 22 to 27 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Something I think we both really admire about Of A Kind was the voice and the branding that you built. Everything felt so cohesive. You'd go on the site and it was just like everything flowed together and everything belonged. How did you develop that? What was that like? Do you, And a reader asked, do you have any tips? Mm. Um, thank you. That is so nice. Um, I think I think it was always super authentic to who we were. Um, I think if we were trying to build a business for a customer we maybe weren't as familiar with, it would have been a lot harder for us to develop a brand and voice that felt um, to us really spot on. Um, And I think the fact that we knew ourselves and we knew who that customer was and were confident in talking to that person directly and authentically and using references that we thought that she would get um, made it much easier. Yeah. I mean, something I remember Erica saying really early on about our voice specifically was that um, it, it should be the same voice that we use to communicate with each other over Gchat and and how we write emails to each other. And that just made a lot of sense and made it really easy because we did have this shared vernacular. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, in general, feel really strongly in terms of when it comes to a tip, I feel really strongly about never writing things that you wouldn't that you wouldn't say. Yeah. And feeling like conversational, like someone's talking yeah. to a friend. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. Do you guys have a favorite product from Of A Kind? Like a wild card one? You know, you sent these questions in advance and I meant to think about it. Um, There are so many that I still use for sure. One of my favorite um, wild card ones, or not even that wild card, but something I I wear the most days are these motion earrings that we released pretty early on, like a year into Mm -hmm. the business. And we had thought originally that... I think I remember that. Do you? Mm -hmm. Um, We thought fine jewelry wasn't going to be for us. And especially it was that time when little dainty fine jewelry started to become a Mm -hmm. thing. And it was like, you know, this is a hard thing to sell online. It's so tiny and bitsy. It just, it felt like a challenge. And we didn't know if our customer was buying fine jewelry. Mm -hmm. Um, And they flew. They just absolutely flew. And I think it was one of those moments, one, I love these earrings. I wear them so much. But also it was one of those moments that, I think we were reminded, oh, right, we just need to keep an open mind about where this business is going and what makes sense for it. Um, Because we would make all of these rules for ourselves around the direction and what of a kind was and what of a kind wasn't. Um, And I think we would hem ourselves in in ways that were not productive. um, And and we eventually learned to stop doing that to some extent. Um, This is kind of a random question, but it falls under the whole umbrella of working together. And Becca and I have very strong differences here. 
We want to talk a little bit about travel and what your travel styles mm. are like. Are you guys similar or different? I'm Did ex- you write this question? No. Oh, wow. There's two people asked it. <laughs> wow. People know that we have such yeah. strong differences on travel that now people are looking for other. Yeah. I'm so excited to answer beefs. this one because it's a I, fun business question. Well, though. I also just feel that we have been good influences on each other. Um, I think that's true. Because... The the first thing that comes to mind is that Erica made me a carry-on person because she doesn't want to wait a baggage claim with me. And I made her a pre-check person. That's true. Because I didn't want to wait in security with her. Or and take off your shoes yeah. or unpack the bag that I made you pack basically exactly. too full. Like yeah. the idea of packing, <laughs> taking a laptop out of this bag that's about to it's explode <laughs> was just unfathomable to me. So now we both have global entry and we both, when traveling without a child, will um, be carry-on only. Um, I also think in general, we both are not particularly good travelers. We're not the sort of person who's like, I just love getting on a plane and going somewhere. I think we're more uh, anxious than all yeah, of that. Yeah, n- neither of us love I'm an anxious it. traveler. Yeah. Are you? This one shows up at the airport like whatever like 30 minutes before she wants to like go get froyo when there's a connection i'm like no no i will never live that down (laughs) (laughs) to be fair we got to the gate before it was boarding i could have had tcby she she definitely could have and tcby is pretty rare these days hard to find there's one in the charlotte airport it's the only one i know of (laughs) i wanted to stop understandable we had 45 minutes between flights and they were in totally different terminals so i was stressed i was like we're not going to make our flight i would have been the same we're going yeah yeah and she was like it's fine she's like strolling along she's like let's get for you i was i'm losing it absolutely not i was losing it i was like sweating (laughs) like starting to shake a little bit on the flip side of things i have watched grace get in lines for a plane that has not yet even arrived yeah yeah oh yeah Yeah. i'm the same i try to temper some of that tendency but it's hard it's hard i really i really do try but once there's the sign for um because i usually i usually will upgrade myself to delta comfort yeah once that little sign is for delta comfort i'm there because i want to be like the first one in delta comfort in my group uh, on the plane you know what i saw on <laughs> ashley and reyna's story from girls gotta eat over the weekend somebody asked a question in a q a box and it was like how do you spend so much time to oh, with each this. other and the answer was like we completely ignore each other in trains planes and automobiles mm-hmm. <laughs> that's yeah. not bad yeah, they've also yeah. been like separate hotel rooms which we yeah. always get separate, ho- yeah. separate yeah. rooms we yeah. don't always we, we, we yeah it i mean when we were running the business yeah. ourselves we definitely didn't oh, because no. the idea that we would pay for two hotel rooms was, was outrageous yeah. yeah yeah but yeah, now we and we will occasionally ignore each other on planes and yeah. and sometimes like not sit together. We also, if we're traveling and spending a lot of time together, sometimes we will have restaurant meals, especially at Sugarfish in LA, where we will just not talk and just listen to the <laughs> whatever because you're always sitting next to a table that has mm-hmm. very good content. It's a good um, point. I do feel like we don't talk during meals when we're traveling like together. People must think we're so yeah. weird. <laughs> we're just. Or you just run out of things to say at that point. Well, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But for two, from an outsider, it's yeah. so odd to oh, be completely. sitting next to two people who just aren't speaking to each other. Absolutely. And I would make that decision a hundred times over at Sugarfish in Brentwood because all the people from Soul Cycle have come and are having their like post Soul Cycle gossip sessions. Oh, and it's really we heard delightful. a really compelling mother daughter conversation once about basically the daughter's entire future. Um, oh, wow. She wanted to go into us. real estate and the mom was like not necessarily not feeling, feeling it. it. Yeah. yeah. That's oh really good. <laughs> I have two comments. One that you called that content. I'm going <laughs> to steal that. And two, I think that the biggest sign of comfort with someone in a friendship, in a relationship, is that you can sit in silence. And you can do that because 
I hate when I have like those more newer friendships or acquaintances or just somebody who just won't shut up. Like, yeah. it's the I can't be close with them. Like Becca and I can just be silent. And there's so much pressure yeah. in having to fill the yeah. air. Yeah. yeah, or being like, do you mind if I just listen to this podcast while we take a, a taxi to the airport? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So let's take a quick sponsor break to talk about night. Okay, so in general, I think that I'm a pretty sleepy person. So I definitely need eight hours of sleep to function well. And if I don't get good sleep, I'm kind of a monster. So having the right pillow is super important to me. And if you've been listening, you know that I'm obsessed with the night pillow. It always makes me happy to hear you say that because I'm the same exact way. I do not know how people function with four hours of sleep. I know people who are like, oh, I'm just not much of a sleeper. Like our friend Lydia Hurt, she's like – Oh, six hours is too much. And no. I'm like, no, I need like eight, ideally nine. Ten would be great. Hey, if it's a weekend, I could do 12. Um, it's just not me. So, um, I've also, on top of like needing and loving a lot of sleep, I've had insomnia my whole life. So I bought my first night pillow years ago. It's probably been five years. A friend of mine recommended it. It's funny because she followed Ashley Spivey because of The Bachelor. This is how long this is. And she bought it. And then I went to her house and I slept on the pillow. And I loved it so much that I then went and I ordered it online like the second I got home. So I just love this pillow. It's fundamentally changed my sleep quality. So you are probably like, what's so great about this pillow? Okay, so the pillow is memory foam, and the best way I can describe it is it's the perfect mix of soft and firm. So it forms to your head, but then it bounces back if you turn over, so it never becomes that pillow pancake in the middle of the night. And if you turn over, it just like recradles your head, so it's always perfect. Exactly. Also, it has a silk pillowcase. So I don't know if you guys know this, but silk is incredible for both your hair and your skin. So whenever I get a blowout, I want it to last a few days. Getting a blowout is expensive. Um, And sleeping with a silk pillowcase really helps to preserve it because it keeps your hair nice and smooth. And there's a reason it's called bedhead. Your hair snags on the fibers of standard pillowcases as you move throughout the night. And also... I want to point out that Knight has new colored silk pillowcases, which you can use with your night pillow or you can use with any regular pillow. Okay, so listen, if you are a skeptic, I get it. I was too. I can't totally explain the magic, but I think trying it is believing. So Knight has an amazing return policy where you can try the pillow for 100 nights and return it if you don't like it. No questions asked. Also, if you're rethinking your sleep game for 2020, they have some amazing other products. So I really love their travel neck pillow. I take it on any flight that's longer than two hours. They also have the best silk scrunchies. I think you're supposed to sleep in them, but I use mine all the time. I'm wearing the light blue one right now. I can see that. Yeah. So love the scrunchies. Highly recommend those as like a little add-on item. So if you are curious about Night, you can take 20% off your entire purchase at discovernight.com with code BOP20. So again, that's 20% off your purchase at discovernight.com with code BOP20. Also, so many people in the community have tried and love the night pillow so if you want to share your experience please please send us an email at badonpaperpodcast at gmail.com or a dm and we might read your night pillow story in a future ad we want to hear about it yeah email us back to the episode all right so i'm going to the future yeah so I want to talk about the future because Of A Kind recently closed, RIP. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I was so sad and surprised. Thank you. Same. 
Um, but I want to know how it's been taking time off and how have you, how have you fared during that? How have you created routine during that? Um, I think we started getting better at taking time off when we, when we realized and were told by our management coach actually that we weren't supposed to enjoy it. Um, and that the aim of this break wasn't like that we were going to travel to all these amazing places and discover all of these new things about ourselves and have these revelations probably on a daily basis. It was just a time to decompress after running a business for 10 years, um, a time to hopefully um, get rid of some of the burnout and to think about maybe what we might be interested in doing from here. I think the thing that was really challenging was that we, when everybody said take a break, um, we both envisioned it as well, I think different versions of the same thing. I think I, in a lot of ways, envisioned it as just watching TV for out like eight hours a day. I think Erica envisioned going like a bad to, breakup. Yeah, and Erica yeah. was like, "I'm going to go to the cloisters, and then I'm going to go here in Long Island, and I'm going to go to all these museums." And both of those were some version of what taking a break would look like at 21, like after finals week or something like yeah. that. And there were. Two reasons that couldn't happen. One, we're both adults with like families and responsibilities. lives and responsibilities. And especially after working, running a company for 10 years, there's so much that you've put off, whether it's filing health insurance claims or God knows what else that you just need to deal with once you have some time. But two, it's really hard to switch into that mode once you've been working so hard. And it's like Erica said, both of us were sort of forcing ourselves to take the time and do the thing like go to the museum or watch TV, but we weren't enjoying it in this way that we expected it to be this huge release. And hearing that that from our management coach that this isn't about enjoyment took so much pressure off. We were really, really pressuring ourselves to make the most of it. And we both were coming at it for, with this idea that this will never happen again. Like so few people get the opportunity to take a month two months, three months off, and we Don't have this opportunity. We have to make the most of it, whatever that means, whether that means like visiting the most museums or watching the most amount of TV and doing the least amount possible. But I think understanding it is like, it's just a process and it's going to happen and it's not about enjoyment and just let it, let it be really helped us both actually enjoy it a little bit more. And I think now that we so um we stopped working with Avocado on Avocado Avocado shut down November 1st. Um and so it really wasn't until January 1st that we started developing routine. Um and I think now we're in a better place where uh, at least a couple days a week we know that you know we're getting up at this time in the morning, we're doing you know we're going to a workout class or going for a run or um scheduling morning coffees and uh, breakfasts and those sorts of things to make sure that there is that structure especially at the top of the day. Yeah. I mean, I have a 1-year-old and that helps to because I want He sure wakes up. Yeah, he wakes up and I yeah. feed him and um and I also have a very religious exercise routine that I toyed with being like, oh, I'll do it later in the day. I'll do it after he eats and very quickly. Wait, I want to know about the routine. I'm just, I run every day. I mean, I do, okay. I so I run four to five days a week. Well, I guess five to six days a week and will do some sort of strength training like bar or boot camp or SLT or something like that yeah. a couple days a week. But it's more just that I'm, when I say I'm religious about it, it's because it's so tied to my mental health mm -hmm. that if I don't do it, I will just have a stressed, anxious, depressed day. So when I, um, I had been like, okay, I'll sleep in and then go for a run or whatever after I feed Cameron, my son, and then realize that 
I just wasn't enjoying the run. I was like stopping and dawdling. I was procrastinating to get it done. So even on these days where I was truly off, I had no responsibilities and truly my only plan was to watch TV. I was still getting up at 5.30 or 6 to do the run before he ate because I just was like, I'm just a prisoner of my own making (laughs) this way. Yeah. I'm curious if there was anything that you did during your time off, which is still current, Mm -hmm. that either was like the most helpful thing to help you process your time out of a kind or like ready yourself for what's next? I mean, I think one thing that meant a lot more to me than I anticipated was that our husbands organized what they called a wake for of a kind. And I love that. It was, you know, it was really wonderful. We got together. We just, you know, they they reserved a space at a bar and invited everybody who had meant something to of a kind and got a huge cake, got a huge cake. And Emotions were really mixed at that time and very different from day to day and hour to hour. And um, I didn't know how I was going to feel about it. And it ended up feeling well, I remember really even meaningful. The day at the office was a really hard day it at the super office. Hard. Um, it was just the two it was, of us. Yeah. We got really bad news. Yeah. It was just like a notably hard day at the yeah. office. And going into this, it felt like, is this right? Yeah. But it was. It was. And it was really nice to mark it in that way. And I think both of our husbands recognized the necessity of marking it in that way in a way that we didn't necessarily of having some sort of formal acknowledgement and get together. And and yeah, I remember the first person I saw when I walked in was one of our first employees and I cried and she was <laughs> hugging her and she was definitely like, what's happening? But I was like, I didn't expect to cry right now either. But I was really, it was a nice, it was a nice moment. Um, it made me think of maybe for the first time, there's a book that we both love called The New Better Off mm. um, that a woman, Courtney E. Martin, who's a friend, wrote. And she talks about how in our modern society, there's just a real lack of ceremony around things and these these marking events and how powerful and meaningful they can be and just finding ways to insert those things where you can. Not to go off on a tangent, but that book is so wonderful. And I think... I just put it in my Amazon card. Good. It's so, so good. It helped articulate a lot of the values that we held that I don't think we had articulated to ourselves or realized. And a lot of um, what we think and talk about with the idea of work wife, I think first came to the surface for us in that book because she talks a lot about how in this way where that work has become an all-encompassing and all-consuming thing for us, there's actually something really um, important about liking the people you work with. Mm -hmm. And if you have the opportunity to choose who you're going to work with and who you're going to let consume your life, why not let it be somebody who you love and who loves you and who understands, you know, what you need on a day-to-day basis? Um, Yeah, it's an excellent book. Oh, I'm excited. I'm going to get it too. Yeah. Yeah. Do. Wait, do you guys have any hints for us as to what's next? Oh my gosh. I wish. (laughs) I know. I wish it were some big secret. (laughs) So, I mean, we are. You just kind of took a break as of January. Yes. So, we are. It's not even February yet. (laughs) Yeah. So, basically, we are continuing to do our podcast and the newsletter that we started at Of a Kind. So we've sort of broken those off into their own thing. And then we're picking up glad you kept the newsletter. Thank you. you. Um, So many people use that as like an example of like the best. I use it as an example with every consulting client about what good newsletter content looks like. Literally everyone. You too. Mm -hmm. Thank you. People can sign up for our newsletter at clarinerica.com. It comes out every Monday and it is just a list of 10 things that we discovered that week that we're excited about. It's a real grab bag. Sign up. Always yeah. a real grab bag. Mm-hmm. And the podcast is also called a thing. The, the newsletter is called a thing or two. The podcast is a thing or two. And it's sort of an expansion on th- that same idea of like discovery driven conversation discussion. Um, 
And then from there, we're taking on some consulting projects for the time being. And, you know, we have some half-baked ideas that have been stewing around for a while, but I think we know better than to jump into any of those things. I think at this point, we're afraid of there being like a rebound relationship where mm-hmm. you're like, oh, wow, why this this could have been an interesting road to go down, but we went down it way too soon. Yeah. Um, well, and I think the other thing, too, is that all of the ideas that we have had, we have been genuinely excited and passionate about. But where the rubber hits the road is we say, but God, that sounds like a lot of work. And I think we both know intuitively that when the right idea comes along or not even when the right idea or when comes the time along, is right, right when the time is right exactly that won't matter to us like that won't seem intimidating because i think we both can remember what it felt like to look down the barrel of, of a kind and not think twice and just be like yes this is the right thing to do yes it's going to be a lot of work yes it comes with a lot of risk but this is the right thing to do um i think at a certain point a few years ago we questioned whether we still had that or whether it was a us being in you know our mid 20s when we started this business could i ever throw myself into something with quite that fervor again um but writing the book i think did prove mm, that mm-hmm. we could work the nights and weekends and early mornings and we could you know sort of crank in that way that we once had when it was something that we were genuinely just amped on mm-hmm. i'm so curious how your priorities have changed in thinking about what's next in this stage versus when you were thinking about of a kind great question um This may change, but I think one of the things that uh, really became clear with Of A Kind Ending was how much it weighed on us to have a staff, Um, which in the early days of Of A Kind, the idea of having eight other people supporting us and helping us grow the business was the ultimate fantasy. And to be clear, I think especially when Of A Kind closed, we had the best possible staff we could have ever dreamed of. They were wonderful in every way and they worked so well together, but in different ways for each of us, I think not having the responsibility of that, not having um, to answer to them and having them to answer to us has been a huge relief. And at least in the short term, I think we both really like the idea of sort of being a two-woman shop. Um, I think for myself, I realized I knew how much time I spent worrying about whether or not they liked me. I did not realize just how sort of completely it would um, sort of change my day-to-day composure to not have that weighing on me of whether or not they thought I was a good boss or whether or not they liked me personally and things like that. I think about that so much for myself with my blog and like everything there. Like if I'd want to scale it to a point where I'd have people I manage and the answer is no. Yeah. Like yeah. I like to be home alone working and mm-hmm. like the idea of like Will people like me? Like, will they like need things from me all day long? Like that feeling of like being stretched. My sister um, has a textile design business and she has several employees. And mm-hmm. like, I would not wish all the things she deals with at, to ever do. So it's really refreshing to hear you say that. Well, it's I it's incredibly perceptive of you to know that about yourself, because I think for us, especially when we started out as entrepreneurs, it's just like it's the dream. It's the only answer. It's like, what? You don't have any employees? It's yeah. like, how well, big your staff is is a, is a measure of success for a lot of people. And it, it's it's tied up in this idea of scaling and yes. scaling mm-hmm. and scaling as if that is the ultimate measure of something. Um, and it's not. Yeah. I don't think everything has to be huge and big. And no. It can just be like your thing that supports you and you love it. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Um, I think since you brought up your sister, there's something that, well, you tell the story. Yeah, yeah. Basically, right as we were uh, closing of a kind, um, your sister sent an invite to an event. 
and my sister your sister do you know her yeah. um yeah yeah oh yeah. cool Wonderful. um she's and been on the pod too she's <laughs> okay. lovely she's the best um and her email signature said something about basically her not responding to emails on fridays <laughs> we make fun of that so much well i'm her sister so i tease her <laughs> it is it is amazing bold move and i love it it's like so much please note i do not i'm not in the office on fridays and i will not be responding to emails <laughs> scheduling with becca to get her oh, on the was, podcast this is the best story actually. was Nine times harder than any other guest we have ever booked, including like Cindy Crawford. Amazing. <laughs> Becca was like, I can come on this Thursday in two months. And we were like, we can't do it then. And she's like, that's the only time I have. Yeah. But you know, what? I'm trying to be more like that and be like, this is my time and this yeah. is what I need. And this is how. Well, that's, that's the, what I. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that's the takeaway from this. And yeah. that's what I'm trying to think about in moving forward is we can shape our lives and our careers like we want to. And there's no guilt. I shouldn't feel guilt in saying I actually don't want to work on Fridays for the time being. If I can pull it off, yeah. like maybe there's a point where I can't pull it off. Maybe there's a point where it doesn't make sense. Maybe there's a point where there's a project that we're so excited about that we want to throw ourselves into it, you know, as full force as possible. But it's pretty awesome to be able to protect your time and just be honest um, about those things. Yeah. And for me, that ties so much back into this thing of having employees. And if you want your employees to work on Fridays, can you say I'm not going to work on Fridays and just and and feeling the constant guilt of like, I'm telling them they can't take a vacation on this day, but I need to be out of town on that day and all of this stuff. And it just, I just, I don't spiraling, think I, spiraling, I don't think spiraling, I realized yeah. the, the full weight that, that it held over me. Yeah. Her thing is she goes into the office on Saturdays or Sundays when no one's there because she's an introvert and then she has her time alone to be creative, but she's still productive. See, that's, that's exactly Brilliant. it. Yeah. Just building a work schedule an environment for yourself that speaks to your needs and if you're going to be an entrepreneur and work for yourself and take on all of that risk that's the privilege that comes with it is saying exactly. I'm going to build this in a way that works for me and I, I think that's awesome yeah and obviously not everyone have has this opportunity yeah. most people do not have this opportunity but if we are going to be in the position where we're shaping what's next for us mm-hmm. then we just have to think about what we actually want I think that's so smart it's like some of the best advice we've had on on here I think yeah thanks Thanks to your sister. Yeah, my sister. <laughs> the inspiration. She's yeah. so funny. I love her. <laughs> Can we switch gears again and talk about motherhood yeah. or not motherhood? Yeah. Both. Yeah. Okay. Motherhood? <laughs> motherhood yeah. and otherhood? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I don't know if I like that. There, there's a book called Otherhood. <laughs> it's it's kind of, that's kind of a dumb I'm trying not word. to leave a window open for you to talk about your parental relationship with your cat. <laughs> I have a very I my know. son is very important to me. I won't do it. I won't do it. Um I but, tried to get a cat that was on the street today. I saw <laughs> it was a beautiful cream colored cat and I was like, You'd look so nice in pictures next mm, to my son. That's important. But he ran away from Grace's me. Grace's one way on love of cats is unparalleled. <laughs> I have a camera roll of when we were in Morocco, there's so many street cats and it's just her running down alleys and trying to get stray cats to love her. Yeah. <laughs> I was. Anyway, let's talk anyway. about motherhood. Yes. Um, so I know that you guys did this episode probably like two years ago, right when Claire was announcing that she was mm-hmm. pregnant. And yes. I, it was one of the most impactful thing I've ever listened to in terms of both of your decisions, uh, in Claire's case, to have children and Erica, in your case, to not have children. Oh, I can't wait to listen to this. It was so good. I talked about it on the podcast. Thank Why you. don't you never listen to me? <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> you're my um, work wife and I have to ignore I know. you. <laughs> but I want to hear a little bit about like 
I want you to rehash a little bit of that and like how you developed your views there, because I thought it was so interesting to hear not just the outcome of the decision, but your thought processes. Do you want to start? Sure. I mean, so Erica has always known that she didn't want kids Um, since I was like 18. Yeah. And has always held really firm to it. And I think because it is considered for whatever reason, not the norm, it's something that we've talked about so much um, and had to talk about a lot, not just with each other, but like it comes up in conversation all the time. And so she's sort of left to defend this position. Because we uh, we also are both married. And so people um, are very comfortable when you are married women of a certain age saying, when are you going to have kids? Mm-hmm. And I had never felt strongly one way or the other, but I think always assumed that when I met the right person that I would be so attracted to them that the idea of procreating with them would just feel like the right thing. And I met someone who I love so much and feel so passionately about him. And yet that did not happen in the sense that like, I'm supposed to do this with him. And I just had had for years so much anxiety around whether or not I wanted to have kids. And I think it became even more complicated for me because I knew Erica didn't want kids. And so there were a couple of things that happened as a result of that. One, I had gotten really well-versed in the reasons not to have kids because she had was really well-versed in it because she had to be defending her position all the time. And I also would feel the need to all, to like jump on board and be like, yeah, this is the, she has a lot of good reasons here. <laughs> no, she's not changing her mind. And two, we are so close and so much in a, a, tr- a marriage in pretty much every sense that I knew that if I did have a kid, it would really impact our relationship. And I was really scared about what that would mean and and the strain it would put on it if if our relationship and our business partnership could withstand the sort of tensions that would necessarily arise. Um, and And then I think, you know, the other piece of it was just I really loved my job and my career. And I didn't know if I thought that I could have both. And so we spent so much time talking about it. Um, you and Erica, or are you and your husband? <laughs> Both, Fair but question. I did. Yeah, I know. I'm laughing. I'm like, I definitely probably <laughs> spent more time talking about it with Erica. I and I will say that the reason, part of the reason for that, is because Chris, my husband's approach, was to try to let me figure it out on my own because I think he justifiably felt it was really tricky territory to like get into it too much. Yeah, he didn't yeah. want to convince me one, try to convince me one way or the other, and he felt like I needed to just come to it on my own. And um, so. Yeah, I it it was so hard for me because I I was so jealous in Erica of Erica that she knew. And I felt like here I am someone who reads every possible online review before booking a hotel and I will go to the Instagram page to look at like the user tagged photos and the Same. hotel tagged photos Same. and the location tagged photos and I will it's like hours of work just to book 3 nights at a hotel, right? And here's this totally life-changing forever decision and there's no way for me to like know what it's going to be like there's just no i can't return it if i don't like it there's just no way to know you, <laughs> you know? can't ask for a discount or a refund or anything there's, i think about this all the or time. even just ba- write a bad trip advisor review <laughs> exactly like it's yeah it's you were stuck with it you're like, stuck with motherhood. it and one star yeah <laughs> and like at least it's not like what it looked like in the pictures <laughs> Way more rundown. <laughs> These were my concerns. These it's were extremely my concerns. loud. <laughs> oh my gosh. This would make a great McSweeney's article. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt like, you know, even like when you buy a 
vacuum you've used a vacuum before you have some context right so it was just so right yeah it it just the the biggest decision you can possibly make and the least amount of context you can or sort of like experience you can have with it um and so I did eventually make the decision to have kids and I made it for a couple of reasons one I felt like and I think the biggest reason was that I realized that all of the reasons that I had for not becoming a mother were based on fear and I had a therapist a long time ago who told me that I did not make decisions out of fear. And I thought that was really good advice. Um, Two, I felt like I knew my husband really wanted to have kids and I didn't feel right depriving of him, depriving him of that because of indecision. Mm -hmm. And because I was just like, I don't, I don't know. Wishy-washy. And then three, I had started to realize I didn't know what my career was going to be. And I, and um, I didn't want to make the decision not to, because of a a career that I didn't know what it would always look like. And not, and not, not that I was all of a sudden willing to sacrifice my career, but I understood that my career could take many paths and would be long and um, might, you know, change in a way that was accommodating of motherhood. So as Clara mentioned, I've known since I was 18 that I didn't want kids. And it it was just this sense. I, it was never a logical thing of, oh, um, it's for this reason or that reason. But over the years, um, I've certainly gotten more versed in the various reasons people decide, um, actively decide not to have kids. Um, and it's a decision you do have to defend, which is, you know, very fascinating to me, especially because, as Claire was saying, um, you walk into this with so many unknowns and it's such a life changing decision to have kids and no one questions people deciding to do that at all. It's also you have to defend not knowing. Yes, yes of course. Like, I would say I'm 60 to 70 percent no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then not knowing is also not a defensible position. Yeah. Not knowing is so awful. And my heart goes out to like everybody in that position because it consumed me it was awful and I was just so jealous of anybody who felt yes I definitely want them or yes I definitely don't I think it's awful all around like if you want one really badly and like you're single or you can't if you don't know it's awful if you don't want them you have to constantly defend yourself I'm pretty sure I don't want them so it's but again I don't know like I mean I I was like I could change my mind maybe the fascinating thing about uh, about knowing that I don't is feeling like it is this very countercultural thing to be doing, and it's possibly the most countercultural thing that I've ever done. Um, you know, second being the tiniest nose ring in the world, and I know it's like, <laughs> um, and it's it's very odd to operate in that way, and to you know have to process it in that way. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's a very strange thing for women to feel so much pressure to make this decision and to feel like they have to there's a single right decision um and that if you make the wrong one you'll have screwed up your entire life yeah that's nuts yeah Yeah. and i i will i will say on the like one year in on the other side and i'm totally obsessed with my son i love him so much and i'm so glad that i became a mother i also know that i could have lived a totally fulfilling life had i not had him and that at 35 is that how old i am that yes. Um, I have built my life in such a way that I have so many other people and things in it that fulfill me and make me happy and keep me busy um, that I know I could have I could have been OK without him. Um, I'm really glad I have him. But um, I think it's comforting to think that that it would have been OK either way. Um, I wrote a story at the end of last year for Refinery29 about not having kids, and I heard from so many women um, about that piece. And I think it just um, 
reiterated for me something that is very obvious, but just the idea that that women just need to feel like they're being supported in whatever decision they make. Totally. Um, and that we there's there's just no room for judgment in other people's lot of other people's lives. I mean, one of the most like moving acts of friendship and just like things that has happened in my life is the way that we that you and I, that Erica and I managed and prepared for what it would mean for our relationship, um, both professionally and personally. I mean, we had a lot of talks about, you know, what are, are you going to be okay with this? And like, how do you feel about it? And and we're still committed to each other, even, you know, if this happens. And when, and a really big fear for me, I mean, talk about short-sighted, but I know I would do it all over again is if I, if I went back is I was so scared of taking maternity leave. I was like so scared of being out of the office for three months and what that would mean for the company, what it would mean for my self-esteem, what it would mean for my sense of authority and, and importance in the company. And I was so focused on that, so anxious about it. About and these 12 weeks. Yeah, exactly. That, you know, in, <laughs> which in the grand scheme of having a child, you know, but it, it really scared me and Eric has stepped up and said, and I will come to your house twice a week and I will hold the baby if that's all that you want and that you need. But if you want and you're open to it, we can like talk about what's happening at the office and I'll fill you in on what's happening. And, um, you know, we can tick off any boxes that you want to tick off. And um, that was such a game changer. It meant I could feel in the loop, not have this raging sense of FOMO that I was destined to have. And it also meant that I was able to come back to the office close to fully informed and like step right back into the swing of things and it meant so much to me and also just felt like why don't more people have this opportunity when they take leave, take parental leave or, or medical leave or anything something we talk about is that obviously the idea of going to someone's house and giving them the full download is not suited to most people's relationships but certainly even if you're you know the person like sitting next to you at work has to be out because their dad's getting surgery or whatever there's no reason why you can't raise your hand and say like hey I could send you an email on Fridays and just give you an update on everything that's been happening if that would be helpful. And if you don't want the update, that's fine too, but I could do that for you. That's. I think that's wonderful. I would want that. Right? right? It's like yeah. sometimes vacation doesn't even feel worth it because coming back is so hard. But yeah. like if you can like – You want to be prepared. Yeah. yeah. So in not just vacation, but taking time off, right? Mm-hmm. It's like that. there's nothing worse than the crushing anxiety of coming back into an office when you don't know what's going on and you don't know what's facing you. And yeah, having that – having a, an ally in the room who will say like, I'll help keep you in the loop is a game changer. Let's take a quick sponsor break. So today's episode is sponsored by Book of the Month, which is one of my favorite ways to discover new books and authors. So if you're not familiar, Book of the Month is a monthly book subscription. Each month, they feature five new and early release books. So you pick one or you can pick multiple books that you want. And it's really cool because a lot of times they also have access to books before their release dates. So for my January book, I got it through Book of the Month, but it doesn't come out to the public until April. It's seriously like having VIP reading status. And I got to tell you, for February, they have such strong book picks. Oh, my God. In the Facebook group, everyone's freaking out and no one knows what to pick. I know. I think people are going to have a really hard time choosing. So thankfully for me, I'd already read two of them. So it made things a little easier for me. And I picked You Are Not Alone by Greer Hendricks and Sarah Pekkanen. And they wrote The Wife Between Us, which is one of my favorite books. They also wrote An Anonymous Girl, right? I loved both of those books. And I'm thrilled that you like them, too, because they're thrillers. Well, I haven't read one yet. 
Oh, you're gonna you're in for such a treat. So you know I'm not usually a thriller person, but there's so much buzz about this book, and the description is really infuriatingly vague, which really intrigued me. It got me. Well, anyways, I picked the same one. I mean, it's predictable. Like, obviously, I would choose that. No surprises there. But they also have Anna Kay, which is so, so good. So a lot of people are comparing it to a modern-day gossip girl. Um, and it's got plenty of rich, unsupervised teens, which you know is a favorite. And they have this one early. This Anna Kay is not coming out till March. I think it's going to be an absolute bestseller. Like, yeah. This is going to be top of the charts, um, but you can get it early from book of the month. Yeah. I also love that they feature a lot of new authors and they place an emphasis on diverse backgrounds. So I actually pick a lot of wildcard books through book of the month that I might not usually pick up, but I trust their taste so much that I know that if they recommend it, it's going to be good. Exactly. It's always good. I've been a member for over two years now, so I can just – I just want you to know this is so good. I pay for my membership. I love it so much. But if you are subscription-phobic, do not worry. Book of the Month is absolutely commitment-free, so you can skip any month you want as many times as you want. And we have an offer for you. So if you head to bookofthemonth.com and sign up using the code BOP10, you can get your first book for just $10. So seriously, what could be more on brand for this podcast than a discount on great books? So again, use the code books and sleep. I love our advertisers. No, it's so on brand. So again, you can use the code BOP10 at bookofthemonth.com to get your first book for $10. Let's get back to the episode. If you feel comfortable, Erica, what is what what do you say to people when you have to defend yourself about why you don't want children? Um, I think I've gotten better. I'm just grab a notepad here. <laughs> I think I've gotten better um at just saying, "Oh, I'm not going to have kids." Um and then when they go down the road of, but why not? That's the best thing that ever happened. And I said, and I say, because I don't want to. Yeah. Um, and I and I've just stopped offering up reasons and stopped making it a thing that um, I need to make a case for. I used to in the past, you know, be able to I think make the points of this is not everyone needs to have kids. This isn't a thing everybody needs to do. There are all kinds of complications around having kids. Around you know the cost of having kids, the environmental cost of having kids. There's so many reasons people make this decision. But I think as I've gotten more confident, I think it people take it more poorly in a good way when you just say, yeah, no. Yeah, And you don't give them room to be like, this is an argument or a conversation we're going to have. Well, and also that's just like true to you. That yeah. is true. Like you just thought about it and you were like, no, it's not something I want or need. Yeah. And, yeah. But it is shocking the the uh, variety of people that I've had this conversation with that we just, I, my husband and I just bought an apartment and the guy selling the apartment to us having children has come up with him three times now i've had oh to wow have a he's giving you the hard sell oh hard oh, wow. sell in this way where i'm like sir if you think you are going to be the one to get me to bite on this yeah. like you in my life of all people no <laughs> that's so funny i i get into it sometimes in the dms like i've had oh, yeah. people be like i think it's just really cold that you don't want children cold yes oh, or yeah. they're like selfish yes. shallow yeah or they're like, but if they see like me playing with my nephews or like my friends' kids on Instagram, they're like, but you love kids so much. Why don't you want your own? And I'm like, loving, such- loving kids doesn't mean yeah. you should have them. People thinking or you even thinking that you could be a good parent isn't the reason to have them. You have to you want to, wa- to exactly. have you kids. Exactly. You need to want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And what have you found in your relationship with Claire? Like, how have you found ways to support and stay close to her 
now that she has children and you're cemented and not wanting children? I mean, I think seeing how her life was evolving in those earliest days was really helpful just to see the like tiny little incremental changes that were happening. Um and the huge ones, obviously, um, because I think it just gave that visibility. I think a lot of times in the past when I've had close friends who've had kids, you know, they're sort of like they're at home and they're very wrapped up in the newness and um, figuring out their new systems and the new life for the first eight, 12 weeks. And it and that the distance that that creates can be hard on a friendship to pick things back up. And I think just really being there and seeing the nitty gritty of it was helpful. Um, to be able to support and just to get that glimpse. Yeah. I think there was just so much consciousness on both of our parts about trying to not let it change. Like if not for my relationship with Erica and knowing that she didn't want kids, I don't think I would have been nearly as aware of ways in which I might unintentionally box her out. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad that we were in the sort of relationship and in the sort of therapy setting that forced us to have those conversations because I will say that I think without the permission that being like in a therapist's office gives you to have those conversations, I would have been too embarrassed because it would have been like, why am I discussing this so extensively with someone who's not my husband? Mm -hmm. Wait, were you both innately very good communicators about your feelings before seeing this business coach? Uh, Okay. Yes, but not with each other. (laughs) Okay. Because I feel like you're talking about all of these like very deep conversations and I'm just like covering my eyes over here and being like, oh. I know. Same. So, okay. Here's what I will say. We were very good about sharing vulnerability with each other. We've always been very good at being vulnerable with each other. We were not good at having conversations about, we were not good at fighting. Yeah. Okay. We're having hard conversations with each other that we thought that the other might bristle at. Yes. In okay. Some way. Yeah. So if we were talking about, oh my God, this business is wearing me down. I don't know if I could do it for another day. Like we could have those conversations forever because we were naturally inclined to to do what we learned in book research is called tend and befriend. It's like the female version of fight or flight. In stressful moments, we would just take care of each other and we could be that vulnerable with each other. But we were not it's that like, oh my God, are you okay? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But we were not good at having the conversation of like hey, I think I'm going to have a kid. I think I want kids and I'm worried that you're going to hate that and it's going to kill our relationship. That was something that came about with a therapist's push, a management coach's push. Um, I also think, you know, in having to have some of these hard conversations around specifically parenthood and being on different sides of it um, or going on different, being on different directions, we learned the sort of insecurities that we both felt that I think we weren't hearing from other friends or other people. Um, I think I was was sharing with Claire that there was a certain amount of FOMO I was feeling about all of my friends, or not all of my friends, a lot of my friends are going to go down this path. A lot of my friends are going to have kids. That's an experience I will not understand. I will be thought of as someone who doesn't get it, who doesn't understand, who's on the outside of this thing. I will never make mom friends or make friends because, you know, my kids' activities. I will never have those bonding experiences around um, parenthood that I think are so vulnerable in so many ways Mm -hmm. um, that Claire will have. And I had no idea she felt that way. I mean, you know, I talk about like selfish and self-centered, but this whole time I'm just like, Erica's so secure in this decision and she's so lucky she's not going to have to like save for college. She's going to get to like spend all this money on cool trips. You were trips. picturing vacations. Yeah, I was picturing the coolest <laughs> vacations. vacations. And like never, like always being able to say yes to every event invite, like as if either of us ever wants to go to events anymore. Like we're both like, no, please let me stay home. But I just, 
I was so self-centered about it in this sense of like, it's going to be awesome for her. It's going to be really hard for me. And I remember when she first voiced those concerns, I was like, oh, there's a whole other side to this. Mm -hmm. Got it. I thought I was going to be the one having FOMO. I mean, you know, we both, we both will. We both get it. Yeah, we both get to have it. Yeah. There, it really is. There's, I have a lot of friends from when I first moved to the city and they all have their own like groups of new mom friends and things. And like I met one of my best friends, all her mom friends at her, she um, has a surprise third baby coming. And so she had a shower for it. And I met all her new friends and I was like, I don't know this whole side of your life. I feel so like left out and on the outside. Yeah. 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 But then I have all my friends and stuff that she doesn't know. So it's, it's it's weird, though. Yeah. Yeah, there is a certain FOMO that comes with that. Yeah. Erica, you mentioned that you recently bought an apartment with your husband. Yes. Can you talk to us about it? We want to hear about the decorating process. Oh, my gosh. Well, the decorating process has not even really truly begun. And I feel good about that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm trying to... And this is a, it takes a lot of effort from me, but I'm trying not to rush into it and trying okay. not to feel like I got to get it done. I got it has to look perfect. And I think there's so much pressure, um, mostly from you know Instagram and Pinterest, and just seeing so many fucking perfect places mm-hmm. all the time, and walking into a restaurant the day it opens, and to be like, oh, the vision, <laughs> um, <laughs> and to be like, no, I'm gonna do this slowly. I have to see how I actually am gonna live in the space before mm-hmm. I buy all this stuff. I don't want to acquire things and then in a year be like, yeah, I actually didn't, I don't like that anymore. Mm-hmm. I wish that I didn't do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been trying to scratch the itch with the container store um, okay. and just doing like the organization things and feeling really good about, you know, those like pull out drawer things for your kitchen for your Oh like, yeah. Do yeah. you have like an organized spice drawer or something? I aspire to. That is <laughs> okay. the dream. I have to find a spice rack that fits into this oh, cabinet, okay. but I spent a good amount of time okay. looking. You're on it. Um, yeah. She took me on a container store trip the other day and I, she was like, it, it was like one step short of that uh, Broad City episode where they like have a secret handshake with the Bed Bath & Beyond <laughs> uh, employees. Like she knew the whole way around she was like here's where the thing is and here's where the thing and we got to go to the ironing section now because i need this thing and i was like oh my god why are you so familiar were with you, the container were store you buying things or just visiting things buying things oh okay. um basically my husband and i had gone two weekends before with like the big laundry list oh, of okay. things and th- this is what we need to accomplish and, and bef- spent two hours there yeah well yeah, no, totally. I I just wanted context well, here. No, it's so hard th- to spend less than two hours. That's at the how I feel. Store. Thank you. So before we went, my husband Thomas was like, "How long do you think it's going to be?" And I was like, "Like two hours." And he was like, "Okay." And then we get there, <laughs> and at ninety minutes, he was like, "I what the fuck? We got it." And I was like, "I told you, two hours. We we still got a good thirty ahead of us." So I don't want to hear at the two hour mark. We can have a conversation, but not now. She's also a member of the Container Store like club. Well, they make you yeah, sign no, up. Totally. I, I just wanted everybody to understand my entire your dedication or- to this place. I've been it, twice yeah. in the last like six months. You well, know? Yeah, but it's you're not in. that bad. You're no. in. You're committed. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know my favorite thing about the container store? No. Same day delivery. Wow. Yeah. It's like $15 yeah. in New York and you can just shop online and they'll bring oh, it to your house. Great. So for anything big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, eh. It's I the same price as a cab. So hundred percent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Claire, I want to hear about your hair routine. Somebody asked that you've been wearing it naturally curly. It's yeah. so pretty. Thank you. So, I have naturally curly hair, so I want to so hear. Pretty. Our, um, I got a blowout. That's why. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Our questions were a mix of listeners okay. submitted and yeah. from us, and somebody very much wanted to know about your hair routine. Um, so well, right you want to know too. <laughs> no one can see it, but it's just combed back into what would we call this? Like a 
a, a low a low bun yeah like mm-hmm. brushed straight which is i've been wearing a lot because it's so low maintenance um but i i got into a routine pre-motherhood where i was letting it air dry but then going through it with a curling wand which if you have curly hair a curling wand is kind of a revelation because it just smooths out the curls makes them more predictable makes them last for a little bit longer and just gives you a more sort of like predictable hair day. Um, so I love the control that comes with it, but it quickly, like most things in my life became like something that just, I was relying on way too much and was like using all the time and spending way too much time on. And also it's heat. So it damages your hair. So I've been trying to get back to a place where I'm just letting it air dry naturally and not doing anything beyond that, which has one required just like not putting heat on it for a long time to let the curls come back to their natural place. And then the sort of, I think, key tenets of my naturally curly hair routine are tons of conditioner. So I only shampoo like once a week at most. And that, but then I will, I will get it wet with conditioner regardless of whether or not I'm shampooing. And then I've been really loving the Virtue Labs line of Hair oh, products, which we we discovered because we the used purple to sell bottles, right? Exactly. Well, they have all different, but okay. the purple one I think is one of the most popular ones. So yeah. we discovered it because we sold it on of a kind, um, and they use keratin in their products in ways that just lead to very very good results. So I use their smooth shampoo and conditioner, but I really like their styling products. So I use first the polish, which is a styling cream, and then I use their mousse on top of that. And um, the other, I skipped a step, which is uh, this Aquas hair towel, which I love that hair oh, towel. Oh, yeah. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Everybody um, at this table has that hair towel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have two. Yeah, it's it, even better. I gave you one. <laughs> you did. Mm-hmm. Excellent hair towel because you don't want to get you don't want to remove too much moisture when you have mm-hmm. curly hair. So when it's still pretty wet, putting in the Virtue Labs polish and the Virtue Labs mousse. And then just not touching it. It's like not touching it is very big, um, and just sort of letting it air dry. The problem is I have really thick hair, so I I have to sort of plan my day around this or do it on a day when I don't have anything going on. If I don't quite have enough time, I will let it air dry for as long as possible, and then I will use the Dyson hair dryer, which I like a lot and gives pretty decent results. And I use the diffuser with it. What do you do for second or third day hair? Does sleeping on it ruin it? Yes. For the most, sleeping doesn't always ruin it, but running does because I have to run with my hair in a really tight thing, tight bun, or it just doesn't feel right to me. Um, So this is where either the curling wand comes and I will touch it up with the Mm -hmm. curling wand. And that does like having it dirty and touching it up with the curling wand is a pretty good look. Or I will pull it back into this situation yeah. right now, this like severe part down the middle, combed tight to my head thing that is just really, I, I just really relish how low maintenance it is. But this is part of why the curling wand was such a huge revelation for me because for my entire life, I was getting my hair wet in the shower every single day and I have a lot of hair and that was just annoying and then waiting for it to air dry was so annoying. So discovering that I could just use a curling wand and only actually get it wet once a week was huge, but it also became like, I just became over reliant on it. Has taking a break from work been huge for your hair? I feel like my hair is much healthier since consulting and not needing to go to an office every day. (laughs) No, absolutely. That's like how I got to a place where I could wear it naturally curly again, because I gave it a break from the curling wand for so long. So then the curls like came back, but I don't feel like I have an answer. I, I honestly feel like the thing I like the most is 
or I don't like the way it looks, but I do feel so liberated by just pulling it back into a low bun. I, I'm jealous that you have like a signature hairstyle. Like Blair Edie has the same signature hairstyle, basically. Is this my signature hairstyle? Uh, well, I'm intuiting today, that yeah, it is. As, as of now. As, as of right for now. right now. I mean, yeah. it's, I always say like, it doesn't actually look that good, but it's just really easy. It's so easy. It's just hairspray. I think it looks good. Thank you. Thank. I appreciate it. Thank you. So that's where I am. I do like my curls, and I do feel like for a long time they were just such a defining part of my personality. I used to have really long hair, Um, so it's funny not actually wearing it curly much anymore. It's like I guess it's good to not feel so tied to that. What about skincare? You both have great skin. Thank you. Do you have any products you swear by? Ah, I feel like we have so many, Mm -hmm. but I feel like two that. I have two cheap ones, which I feel like is useful to people. Um, the Yes to Carrots Milky Cream Cleanser. Yes to Cucumbers. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yes to Cucumbers Milky Cream Cleanser is excellent. It's like basically a clean Cetaphil. Um, and it's really nice. And I've been using it for a long time. Someone DM'd me the other day to tell me how much they love that recommendation from you. I don't know why they told me. But, <laughs> well, um, thank you for passing yeah, it along. That's yeah. really generous. Um and the other is Walita Skin Food. I've been um, very into that recently. It's my favorite. It's just so great. I'm Do you guys use it everywhere? I'm using it as face moisturizer. That's how now, I use it too. And I, yeah. and I just drop, like pat it. Oh no! So I I mix it with oil. Yeah. I put like two drops of uh-huh. Vintner's Daughter in it uh-huh. to make it spreadable. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So I make it way more expensive than yeah. the ten dollars. <laughs> or stretch it out. Depends you, on how yeah, you're you looking at it. You sort of combine both yeah. of them in yeah. smart ways. Yeah. You find yeah. a middle ground. Yeah. I'm very into that. I was really nervous because. It usually is too intense for me to put on my face, mm-hmm. but because it's winter and it's so cold out, I'm just like putting slathering anything on my face to keep it moisturized. Yeah, agreed. But I went and got a facial last week, and I asked the woman, I was like, "Are my pores really clogged?" Because I've been using very intense yeah. moisturizer, and she told me I, they looked fine. Oh, good. good. That's great. Yeah, no, I think it's a wonderful product. It's great for it's great for face. It's great for hands. It's just great for everything. What if you are splurging? What do you have like one splurge product that you're obsessed with? Ooh. Great question. I don't know if I have a like favorite, favorite splurge product right now. Do I? What the barrier restore? I do like that. Yeah. Um well now you gotta tell us what it is. The Marie Veronique um and Christina Holy Holy um barrier restore serum, um, which basically is meant to restore the skin barrier that we all strip off by over exfoliating and using way too much crap. Oh, interesting. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um I think the one thing that I felt passionate about the longest is L'Oreal's micellar water. Um, I don't know the official name, but it's whatever the L'Oreal micellar water is. I can only find it on Sephora. I am on record. Wait, at Sephora? Yeah. L'Oreal? Lancome. Yes, yeah, sorry. Okay, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna start I'm like this sorry, over. but it L'Oreal felt, is not at Sephora. It felt totally wrong as I was saying it, and that's yeah. why I kept saying it over and over. Yeah. I was like, yeah, L'Oreal. Yeah. L- L'Oreal. L'Oreal. Okay. Right, sorry. Okay. Okay. I think the thing that I have felt. L'Oreal does own Lancome. So. Okay, so I was right, <laughs> yeah. actually. I don't retract it. <laughs> um, the one thing that I have felt the most passionate about for the longest is the Lancome micellar water. Um, and I don't remember the official name for it, but it's available at Sephora. I buy four at a time because I hate running out. Wow. Well, I also just hate it's called Ofresh. 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 Um, I just really hate washing my face because water gets everywhere. It, wake, it you know, runs down Same. your arms and then it's on your Becca's pajamas. Becca's a huge sleeves. micellar water person. 
And it also just wakes you up so much. And I just this, this part I don't necessarily agree with. But keep going. <laughs> I can barely. I, like, I love. I like to double cleanse. I like a cleansing balm. I'm so jealous of that. <laughs> I barely can put on pajamas at night. I just okay. once I'm in my bedroom, I'm ready to go to bed, and I don't want to do much of anything. So micellar water is key for me, and this Lancome version is very good it doesn't leave your face sticky it doesn't leave it dry it's just really really nice um so i think that's definitely my number one the other thing that i've been using consistently for a really long time is the noto botanic scrub it's an exfoliating scrub and i do it in the shower in the morning and it is minty and soothing and it does excellent. wake you up it does it, it definitely wakes face you up scrub or a body scrub it's a face scrub okay. it's a face scrub and then and this is the most unoriginal answer, but I really like P50, the Biologique Recherche. Mm-hmm. That's that's my splurge. Although I will say a clean dupe for it that um, they just started advertising on our podcast, which is how I discover them. But I do really like this Biosance. They um, have great products. Squalene and lactic acid serum. Mm-hmm. And but it's I've, like a different kind of thing. I've also heard, I mean, it's exfoliating serum, but it's yeah. not like a... Uh, it's not a toner. It's not a toner. It, it's more, yes, it is yes, a yes, serum. Yes, yeah. But I, I do feel like it kind of does the same thing. Oh, totally. use them at yeah. the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard that Paula's Choice also has a really good dupe for it. Oh, yeah? Okay. Um, I like the Moon Juice. Um, uh, everyone moon juice has one. been telling me to get that. Yeah. I just mm. ordered it from Sephora. Yeah, it's excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. What about, this is not beauty related, what about podcasts? Do you guys have any favorites that you never miss? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do. <laughs> um, we both really love Call Your Girlfriend, um, love Anne Friedman and Amina Tussauds and just take a lot of inspiration from them in terms of the way that they comport themselves, the way that they carry on their friendship, um, mm-hmm. and th- just the way they think about, uh, yeah, talking, talking about stuff. Um, and then my sort of, I have two guilty pleasures that when I'm like, I can't deal with the world. One is called Sexy Unique Podcast, and it is a podcast about oh. Vanderpump Rules. Um, and Roxanne Gay's been a guest, so yeah. you know it's legit. It's high wow. yeah. I love Vanderpump Rules so much. It is the only show that my husband and I have like consistently shared, and it's only on, I don't know, several months out of the year because there's one season a year, and I find that really hard. So when it is on, it's like I go deep. It's like okay. I need all the content I can get about it. So I listen to that really consistently while Vanderpump Rules is in season. And then the... As if it's like an apricot or something (laughs) when it's in season. Exactly. When they're harvesting it. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. And then the other one, which is, uh, I I have to give them credit a lot, higher brow than than Sexy higher Podcast. But still about celebrity gossip. I really love Jam Session on the Rigor Dish Network. Um, We are friends with one of the hosts Amanda Dobbins and I just really love celebrity gossip I've realized later in life like I it's just something I've really embraced um it makes me really happy there's something comforting too about celebrity gossip oh, yeah. like I I listen to who weekly and mm, most I love of who the weekly. time yes I don't know who these people are yeah. but I love talking about their ridiculous exploits it's just it's like that is all celebrity gossip is, is comforting yeah. because it's, and that's why Vanderpump Rules is comforting too. It's just other people's problems. Yeah. My, at a certain point in my life, my dad tried to give me a hard sell on why I should be a St. Louis Cardinals baseball fan. Oh. Um, and the hard sell included it will always, they will always be there for you. And that is actually what celebrity gossip <laughs> is. Like, they will always be there for you. They it's will always true. be up to hijinks and it will always, yeah, low stakes, that's low exactly stakes. right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other podcast that we both are very into that is new is called Something is F- no, Every- Everything is Fine um, about um, being women over 40. 
It's so oh, good. It's Kim France, who is the founding editor oh, of Lucky. I love, and, oh, I yeah, love her. Yes. I didn't yeah. know she had a podcast. It's brand, brand new. new. Okay. Yeah. It's so good. Oh, it's really wonderful. I'm subscribing to it like as we speak. Good. What about recent favorite reads? We always talk about our reading rec, so I like to get other people's point of view so they have different tastes. Um, I really love everything by Nell Zink. Um, her book, her newest book, Doxology, is excellent. Um, Nicotine was really good. Are they nonfiction? They're uh, they're fiction. Oh, they're fiction. Yeah, okay. they're fiction. Um, yeah, she's just really, really wonderful. Um, and for nonfiction, I love Mary Roach. Do you guys know her? No, mm-hmm. she's a very funny science writer. Um, and she wrote, she wrote like one of her books is all about the digestive system. Um, one is about astronauts um and like her first question in the book is like but really has anybody had sex in space um it's like (laughs) that kind of science okay (laughs) she's very compelling something tells me that you might be a higher brow reader than i am (laughs) but that's okay (laughs) yeah um the most recent book that i finished is also one of the best books that i've read in a really long time and it is called nothing to see here and it I keep it? getting recommended to read that. I'm adding that to my Amazon. It is as we talk so to. good. And it is such a fast read. My husband and I have been kind of trying to have a book club with each other and he read it first and um, it and I'm so happy he did. It was it's it's about this woman who is sort of has sort of lost her way in life and she gets a call from uh, an old boarding school friend of hers who needs her to watch her st- stepchildren who spontaneously combust whenever they get worked up they catch on fire and oh yeah a twist you didn't expect i guess i cannot believe how well the narrator is written the narrator is a female and it's written by a guy and i just he's done such a good job of shaping this character and making her so incredibly likable um yeah three three four five thumbs up Oh, wow. Yeah. A lot cool. of thumbs. Yeah, all the thumbs. I was going to say three stars isn't that good, but if it's <laughs> thumbs, all that's the thumbs. really good. <laughs> all the thumbs. Yeah. Cool. So you, in the tradition of our podcast, you have earned your very own desperation minute. Can oh. you tell people how they can support you, where they can find mm-hmm. you on the internet, anything they can do for you? Oh, my gosh. Well, they can find us at Claire Mazer and at Erica Cerullo on Instagram. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much the only place we social media. Yeah. Um, they can find us at com, a domain we acquired sort of uh, pathetically recently, yeah, given because, our relationship. Well, and given how many domains we own between it. Like at some point, we just got really reckless with buying domains. So we own like a whole series of hummus-related domains, even though we have no plans to start a hummus business. Yeah. Um, we own Hummus You Love Us, Hummus A Little Diddy. You know. Wow. Um, a lot of punny hummus. What are Don't there's some more hummus? Oh, hot mess hummus. That's yeah. my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, now we own ClaireandErica.com. So that's where you can find episode notes from our podcast where you can sign up for our newsletter. And then you can They're find both called a thing or two. Yeah, you can find our podcast on Stitcher, iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts. It's called A Thing or Two with Claire and Erica. And I highly recommend it and sign up for their yes. newsletter. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, do it. Thank you guys so much. Thank this you. was this great. Was awesome. this was lovely. Thanks for having us. Well, Grace, I think it's safe to say that we are both huge Claire and Erica fans. I'm very excited because we have drinks set up with them in a couple of weeks. We're going to catfish them. Yes. We haven't catfished a guest in a while. Yeah, we haven't. We've been already friends with most of them or yeah, they've been not interested in becoming our friends. Yeah. No, everyone wants to be our friends. We're awesome. Well, I mean, in December, we were our guests. Yeah. When we interviewed ourselves, there's not really any new friends you can make from that. Not really. So wait, what is your obsession? 
My obsession came from Liz Adams, who is a dear friend, and she also has an amazing blog called Hello Adams Family. She is always wearing the cutest jeans by A Gold. It's A G O L D E. And like, I'm always very hesitant to try a new denim brand. Like, I love Redone, which is, um, they take vintage Levi's and repurpose them. I love American, good American. I wear a lot of Paige, but like, for me, I don't know what it is, but like, when I go on Shopbop or Nordstrom and like decide to order new jeans, it's always from like one of those three brands. So she's been wearing these really cute mom jeans. And so I decided to order, I ordered two pairs on Shopbop. I was like, oh, I'll definitely send one of them back. I kept both because I loved them so much. They, they're like a very good, like classic mom jean style. Like they have a little bit of stretch, but they don't look stretchy. They're not like a skinny jean, but they're not boot cut. They're just like a perfect classic jean. And they make your butt look so good. They've got a high waist, so it like sucks you in. They're great. I'm going to need to see these when we link them in the show notes. I'm not quite sure I'm picturing it. They're great. They're really great. Okay. Um, the best mom jeans I've found so far. Because I like I like the look of those kind of jeans, but I don't always like how they feel when you put them on. Totally. Yeah. What about you? So I have an expensive one and I have a free one. So the expensive one is that I got into Laleen. Wait, so you got two Laleen sweaters. Yeah, but I had to return one. Oh, because I feel like Earlier this fall, you, and you saw it on me and you liked it, but earlier this fall I was talking about this to you and you're like, that's really expensive. And you're like, and it doesn't look flattering. Oh, well, I was wrong apparently. <laughs> so I... Their sweaters are great. They have the best stripes. Yeah. So I was in... I went to the Nordstrom flagship uptown and they have Laleen in their store. And there was this oh. one sweater that I was really obsessed with that they didn't have in my size in the store. So I ordered it online. It turned out to be the one that didn't fit. It was too cropped. Yeah, that's the thing. So the one that you said wasn't going to be flattering was perfect because it was really long. The Marin one. Mm -hmm. The Marin one. So then I also got the Marin one because I'd gone to their website and then their retargeting ads had the sweater in it that just was chasing me around the internet and I didn't have enough strength to resist it. It's very cute. She put it in her Instagram with good girls lie. Yeah. So I'm very into that. Getting very into expensive striped sweaters. I also think I'm going to buy a sweater that I have in my Rent the Runway order. I'm just like, I, it's not even going to be that cold for the rest of the year, I don't think. But I'm just, I don't know. It's been pretty tripling cold. down on sweaters. Anyway, yeah. so then the free one is this browser extension called OneTab. Yeah, what is that? Okay, so because of my client work, I feel like I always have eight zillion tabs open because I also have I have personal tabs, I have podcast tabs, I have mm-hmm. tabs for all my clients. So it's this browser extension. And I'll show you. So you click the button for the browser extension and it closes all of the tabs and then it puts them in this one tab with links that has like a directory. Oh. So it keeps everything handy, but you don't have to have them all open. And if you listen to our organization episode, you know that my computer is on the brink of dying. Oh, that's really good for you. So I don't think I need that, but I think it's perfect for what you are dealing with. Because I usually, I used to have like four different browser windows open and all of them had multiple tabs yeah so now i have everything handy but i don't have it open which makes my computer run better that's great so yeah i discovered i saw i was in la over christmas and i saw my friend rachel was on her computer and she pressed this button and all of her tabs just like combined and i was like what is that yeah i want it interesting okay yeah cool what about on instagram 
on Instagram, you met her on Wednesday. My obsession is a new friend. Her name is Emily Fedner, and her Instagram account is Food Lovers Diary. So she has a really, really interesting story. I want to get her on the podcast, but she worked in PR for years, and then she um, loved food so much she basically went and worked in a kitchen in for, at Frankie's for free um, to learn to learn how to be a cook. Then she became a cook. Then she has also has had this amazing Instagram account. She's only 27 years old and is just like so wise and smart about food. Everything she posts, I want to eat. She also has this blog with amazing recipes. We went to lunch at Missy the other day and she's just like such a wealth of knowledge about all things food and she's adorable. I really want to go to Missy. Um, we should go for lunch anytime. I've been dying to go. I didn't realize that the secret was going for lunch. So guys, yeah, the hot tip if you want to go to Missy in Brooklyn, I know this isn't relevant for everyone, is that lunch is like empty. It's really easy to get a reservation. We also have to go to Lilia because you haven't yes. been there yet, right? I haven't been to Lilia yet. L- the secret at Lilia is to go sit at the bar. Ah, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to go to Lilia. I want to go back to Missy. We had this amazing like... Well, the ricotta toasts were were incredible, but also the the pasta. I've just never had any pasta that good. That's what they're known for. It's like one side of the menu is pasta and one side is vegetables, right? Mm -hmm. That's all they have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah. I'm I'm literally still fantasizing about the pasta we ate. It's Mm. so good. It was so good. I can't even explain it. Like I've never had pasta like that. Um, My brain is cluttered with pasta. So mine is this account. Her Instagram handle is Jenna. Pylant, J-E-N-N-A-P-I-L-A-N-T. So I found her through Wardrobe Oxygen. They were just, I think they were at the same event and she was like, oh, and my friend Jenna's here. So anyway, this woman lives in this like kooky rainbow house. Like it's insanely rainbow. Everything is like so bright and intense and I love it. So I'm just following her for her home content about her like very bright happy home cool it's i'm looking at her home i don't know what to make of it it's it's a lot i don't know that i would want to live there but it makes me really happy yeah i think that that's kind of how i feel about it like it makes me happy to look at but if i lived there i wouldn't want to live there have you seen the photos of her office no well i just signed up for this is it the one with the yellow wall uh no it's i think it's pink a lot of color a lot of color. Yeah. Her Christmas tree is very extra. Oh, it is. Rainbow. It is the yellow wall. Yeah. I like that yellow wall. It's I love like yellow glo- built-ins with a polka dot desk. I love the high gloss yellow. I had a dresser in my first apartment in the city that I I got it at Goodwill and I like scrubbed it down and I painted it that same high gloss yellow. Oh, cute. When I moved in with my ex, I was forced to get rid of it. So cute. Yeah. What about on the book front? On the book front, oh, I've got to finish this because it's like – Really hard to get through, but I'm glad I'm reading it. It's Know My Name by Chanel Miller, which everyone knows. She was the sexual assault victim in the Brock Turner case, and it's amazing. And she is so funny and like has like such a great way of writing, but it's also deeply upsetting. So I'm like slogging through it and I'm going to finish it, but it's just a hard read. I've heard that. I've heard it's wonderful from so many people and I have a copy, but it just hasn't made it up my list because I feel like I have to be in the right yeah. mental and emotional state to read it. It's kind of like how I feel about the Roxanne Gay books. Like I I love those too, but then I just like put them, I'm not going to put this down. I'm more than halfway through it, but I feel that I am owed like a real trashy thriller after this. Your book of the month. Yes. 
Yes. Yeah. So I'm hoping to finish it this weekend so that next week I can start something trashy and fun. But it's a great book. I highly recommend it. It's just a harder read. What about you? Um, so I, I honestly, I haven't been reading that much. So I had to, we've been drinking a lot. Like we have been going out. Yeah. We have not been as good of readers as usual. Seriously. But I had to take a break this week from reading my book to read a nonfiction book for my top secret side project. I know I'm being annoying, but I put it on my Instagram story. So I figure I'll just say it. Not what it is, but the book I read. So I read this book called Save the Cat, which is a book about screenwriting. It was really helpful. That's a really misdirection hint about what my side project is. Not purposely. I mean, I did read the book. But yeah, it's so funny. Somebody after last week's episode where I talked about my side project emailed me and they were like, I think I know what it is. It was not even close. That's so funny. So She'll share as soon as she's ready. I just need to get a little further. Yeah. And then I will share because I want everyone to be excited about it and I want your support. But I just need I'm, – I'm not ready yet. Yeah. You don't have to be ready. So anyway, so I read that book, which I don't know if you're writing a screenplay. is really, really helpful. I really recommend it. Um, don't know how many people that covers. <laughs> but then I'm still reading The Two Lives of Lydia Bird. So the book that's the sequel to – not sequel, by the same author as One Day in December. How is it? I'm really looking forward to that. It's good. It's only 30 pages. It's about a woman whose husband dies. Wait, the book is only 30 pages? No, I'm only 30 pages in. Oh, I was like, Becca, I have a copy. It's not 30 pages. No, I'm only 30 pages in. Okay. So it's about a woman whose husband dies, and then it's told in two – it's kind of like sliding doors where it's told in two timelines, one where he's alive and one where he's dead. So honestly, it's kind of depressing so far, but I can see it being good. Yeah. I love Josie Silver. Me too. I still like cry if I even think about one day in December. Oh my God. And I'm also so excited because one of my, or not one of my favorite British chiclet author has a book that is coming out at the end of March. So much British chiclet coming in March. Oh, love it. So in the meantime, if you need something to read. Pick up Followers by Megan Angelo. Yeah. So that's our February book club pick. It is about social media and privacy which makes it sound way more serious than it is it's actually like a fun internet-y soap opera it's a cautionary tale like we can't go down this road so it's told in two timelines the first one's in 2015 and it follows these two girls who live in new york city they're young one's like an up-and-coming journalist one's an influencer they're roommates and uh, they end up getting a reality show Mm mm-hmm And then the second timeline is in 2051, and it's in this dystopian but really could happen future where all of the influencers live in a gated community and they broadcast their life 24-7. They're government employees. Actually, they only broadcast their life 23-7. They get an hour off? Yeah. I can't. Um, It's my worst nightmare. I would have to quit this life if this is what happened. But it's very – it's like the Truman Show. Like they're on – it's fascinating. Yeah. It's the book is so good. It's I so think fun. I think the discussion's also gonna be wonderful. I was gonna say I think the discussion's gonna be great. And if you're trying to plan something for your book club with your friends, I think this would be such a good pick to discuss. Yes. I think like the book is great, but I think the conversation around it is gonna be even better. Can't wait. So pick that up. We'll be discussing it in our book club the last Wednesday of the month. And in the meantime, if you'd like more of us, we have a great Facebook group where everyone's talking about 
books and travel and the podcast and all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. And I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And I'm on Instagram at, at Grace Atwood. And I blog almost every day at thestripe.com. And we can't wait to see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.